This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's a shocking reality that compounds the grief of losing a loved one to a preventable collision with a car. Theoretically, drivers can face up to 10 years in jail under a criminal charge of dangerous driving causing injury or up to six months in jail and a fine of $2,000 for the provincial offense of careless driving. But they rarely do, even if they kill someone. The driver that killed 63-year-old cyclist Bruce Tushingham got a $500 fine. She didn't even have to be in court to face the bereaved family. Another driver had to pay $1,000 after her van jumped the curb and killed a Riverdale mother. There are many examples of this as the courts almost never give the maximums and usually accept plea bargains to less serious charges. Safety advocates are now demanding reforms to the lax penalties given to the guilty drivers and their intention, of course, is to save lives we want to hear from you. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Right now, let's go to Albert Cole, who is a lawyer working to push the government for a vulnerable road user law. Albert, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, good afternoon, Libby. So what are you doing to try to get stiffer penalties? Well, we've proposed uh, what's called a vulnerable road user law, and it's a, a law that does uh, uh, would uh, require not only higher penalties, but also uh, community service hours, the obligation to attend court, uh, license suspensions. In other words, the uh, penalties that uh, motorists would have to take uh, more seriously, hopefully before they get behind the wheel of a car and before they're in a situation where a vulnerable road user might be uh, hurt. I mean, I, I should also say that, of course, the law is never going to make it right when someone is uh, killed in a, in a collision, but uh, at least this would uh, more closely approach or give people a sense of justice uh, when uh, a tragedy does occur. Uh, so what we've done is we did meet uh, last year with the uh, Minister of Transport, uh, uh, Del Duca, and uh, uh, gave him a presentation on why we believed a vulnerable road user is present. We had a broad coalition of uh, groups there, including uh, uh, groups representing the disabled. Uh, I'd have to say uh, our first uh, uh, meeting with the uh, minister uh, uh, didn't give us a huge amount of um, uh, optimism in terms of uh, whether he was going to take action, but uh, we're hoping that he's reading the news as, as the rest of us are and uh, that uh, we see some action in the near future. Uh- you know, I th- I think most people just aren't aware of this. Uh, I know we had one caller last week when there was a, a sentence, finally, for somebody who killed a pedestrian uh, back two or three years ago, and, and uh, she was shocked, and I think people are shocked, and they don't understand. I mean, when you contrast this, 
uh, developers get fines of $5,000 for, you know, illegally uh, cutting down a tree. Well, I think that's exactly right. And when we started looking at the numbers, we were quite shocked as well about uh, uh, the low penalties that were being imposed. But it's not just, we would say it's not just the the number. I mean, if it's $200 or $500 or $800, we'd still say, well, that's totally disproportionate to the fact that a person has been uh, killed on the roads. And the real problem is that we still deal with these uh, um, we still call them accidents. In other words, we say that uh, someone's killed. Well, that's an accident. Uh, the driver didn't mean to do it. And uh, despite the fact that you've got someone lying dead on the road, uh, we still have this idea that uh, they're accidents. We treat them like accidents, and then we impose uh, penalties that reflect uh, accidental conduct. What we're saying is, we'll take a step back. I mean, we want uh, these stiffer penalties to be in place, as I say, not just fines, because a fine, if you're uh, a well-heeled driver, well, I mean, that's not going to mean anything at all. But we want at least uh, the uh, uh, motorist to be obliged to go to court to face a a more significant license suspension, uh, to face um, community service hours. And in other words, penalties that uh, will make a motorist uh, think a little more carefully, as I say before, for going behind the wheel of a car. But the penalties that are being imposed now, unless it's under the criminal code, which are obviously, uh, there are more significant penalties for drunk driving, dangerous driving, but, but those are not uh, the vast majority of cases where people are being killed. And that's why we're saying we need a different regime where vulnerable road users, like the 60% of Toronto victims that are seniors, where vulnerable road users are being killed uh, to better reflect uh, the gravity of the offence and to have motorists take the matter more seriously. Did you Do you see any parallel between the evolution of the drunk driving laws where it, it, there was a time when it wasn't taken seriously and uh, the penalties... Uh, have been getting stiffer. And and, I mean, it's still a struggle. We're not where we should be. But do you see a parallel with uh, kind of uh, the the evolution of it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, You know, we're we're talking about a generation ago, essentially, that uh, stiffer penalties were imposed, uh, mandatory penalties, uh, both in terms of first and second offenses. The second offense is seeing a minimum uh, 14-day uh, jail uh, term. So, so those um, that uh, example, I, I think, would serves us well today, where we're seeing um, behavior on the roads, uh, which which is simply defined off, often, as I say, as accidental, but behavior that's uh, leading to very tragic consequences. So as we say, if we can get motorists before they get behind the wheel of car to say, well, these penalties uh, make me think that uh, uh, I have to be much more careful than I am because, of course, a motor vehicle is a potentially lethal um, lethal machine, and we often forget that. So, so yes, absolutely, the uh, drunk driving laws that were made much more serious are a very good um, uh, predecessor to this uh, uh, proposal. Okay, um, let's go to the phones. We've got Anne in Mississauga. Hello, Anne. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? I'm good. Um, I have a few issues. First of all, uh, the gentleman here is not addressing the pedestrians who cross when the orange hand is out, which means they're not supposed... I, I understand we're in the middle, when they're already at the middle of the road. That I understand. But I see people crossing the street 
when the hand is already there and they still cross the street. That is very dangerous. And I know I, as a driver, I'm, I am extra cautious. But let's look at that also. And pedestrians who are crossing at night uh, in the middle of busy intersections where there are no lights... And, you know, sometimes it could be hard to see that pedestrian. You have to be extra, extra. But what about them taking responsibility? And then there's the cyclist. When I walk my dog, I've been grazed twice on the sidewalk by, by cyclists. And, I, and many times I have to turn around to make sure there are no cyclists because they don't have the common sense to need, leave enough space between you and them when they are passing you. And this has become a very serious issue. I, have two, I had two women watching me when I was walking uh, my dog, and they were scared that the cyclist was going to hurt me. And they also know people that were hit by cyclists on the sidewalk. And I've seen cyclists also that do not wait for the red light. You know, so it's um, not just the drivers. Yeah, you, and, we are all responsible. Yeah, you know what? Um, as a driver, and thank you, Anne, for your call. Mm-hmm. Um, as a driver, I experience the same things. But, you know, um, first of all, as drivers uh, in, you know, a much more lethal weapon, a car, I think we have an added responsibility. But I just looked at some numbers. And, and you know, when you're driving and you see a pedestrian in dark clothing crossing against the light at the last minute, it's scary. And that's what you remember. It happens to me all the time. Uh, but when you see the statistics of these fatal collisions and who had the right of way in them, and those uh, statistics were published in the Star today, uh, it is the vast majority, it was the drivers at fault. Uh, so, I mean, I agree with you, uh, you know, pedestrians have to clean up their act as well. And if there is an accident, we've had uh, constables Clint Stibby and Carrie Schmidt on many times. If, there's, if there is an accident, uh, the pedestrian can be deemed to be at fault. But um, the bottom line, and uh, Albert Cole, is, is that the drivers, we as drivers, have an added responsibility, I think. What do you think? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I agree with Anne. I mean, we yeah. all need to do better, whether we're drivers, cyclists, or motorists. We all need to do better. Education is very important. We all have to obey the laws. But the difference, of course, is that if I'm a pedestrian and I make a mistake, well, I'm going to pay the price. If I'm a motorist and I make a mistake, well, it's still the pedestrian that's going to pay the price. And that's what this law is about, to say to motorists, look, you've got an added responsibility because you're in charge of a motor vehicle that's potentially lethal. And that's why we put that added burden on a, on a motorist vis-a-vis what we call vulnerable road users. So we all agree that we need to do better. But what what we need to do as a community is to make sure that uh, fewer people are being killed. So we can't say, you know, we often hear these anecdotes about people behaving badly, but, I mean, these 60% of of um, pedestrian fatalities in Toronto that are seniors, I mean, can we say those seniors are, are they texting, are they talking on their cell phones? I mean, these are a lot of... A lot of them, but are, are crossing against a light, <laughs> but but still... Well, well, I, yeah. I, I haven't seen, you know, I, I don't know if any of those 60% of um, seniors that were killed, whether they were crossing against the light. But uh, what, what we're trying to do is increase also the margin of error. And we'd say, let's all be more careful. And, and as I say, this vulnerable.
applicable road user law is part of the solution. And we also need we also know we need to do a lot of other things like decreasing speed limits. So, for example, if you make a mistake, whether pedestrian or motorist, that you have time to avoid the collision, or if there is a collision, it's less likely to be fatal. Yeah, and and I've I've got to say that another thing that often really annoys me as a driver is that uh, sometimes when I am respecting the speed limit, because on the way to work, sometimes it's 40, sometimes it's 30 on some streets, a driver behind me will kind of go nuts and start honking. (laughs) That's right. And and, and I think that's what we're trying to do as well, is get the debate a little bit about, you know, beyond the things that annoy us to the things that are really, that are killing people. And we need to look at the evidence of what's happening. I mean, the evidence from the uh, medical officer of health in Toronto is that two-thirds of of, uh, pedestrian uh, injuries and fatalities were... Um, occurred after a violation of the Highway Traffic Act by the motorist. So, so, so I think obviously we, we, that's an important statistic. But in general, what we need to do is we need to get um, uh, more safety on our roads. We believe a vulnerable road user law is part of that by acting as a deterrent uh, to motorists that are inclined to act uh, carelessly. Okay, uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Patrick in Brampton. Hello, Patrick. Hello. Okay, well, I, my comment is uh, that we should be able to sue, uh, some, say somebody killed my wife, I should be able to sue them for everything they own, the same as they can in the States. Like, look at what happened to uh, O.G. Simpson. He got off for the murder uh, of his wife, but because the, the uh, onus on for wrongful death is a lot different, he got convicted on that, and got nailed for like $25 million. So oh. if I can do that to somebody that does that to my wife or, or my love, any, any, anybody, that would think, and, it's, and if it's well published, I think anybody will start getting the message. Albert? Well, well, I would have to say that, uh, I mean, number one, often after these uh, fatalities, there are lawsuits. And uh, I don't think uh, victims get a a great deal of satisfaction out of these lawsuits. They're often fought out, uh, you know, fought uh, out between the insurance companies. And uh, at the end of the day, for sure, there would be some financial uh, payment that has to be made. But... uh, um, we're, we're trying to avoid getting to that point in the first place. I mean, we're not going to be happy just because a lawsuit is successful or because uh, a penalty is imposed. What we're trying to do is put in place a regime that, uh, you know, one day will get us to the point where we have uh, zero fatalities on our road or that we're approaching that uh, goal. Okay. Uh, thank you, Patrick, for your call. I'm going to try to get through a few uh, more calls before we uh, take a break. We have got uh, Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Not bad. Um, one of my concerns about the pedestrians, the pedestrians, I think, should be receiving warnings. for. It seems that winter attire seems to be all dark clothes, and there's no reflective gear on them. And that is a major problem. The other day, it was easy to see pedestrians because there was snow on the ground, and you can see them against the white snow. But you can't see them. And the way the traffic is in the city today, you don't have time to really examine the whole roadway looking for somebody you can't really see. And I think that people should, if they're stepping off of a sidewalk, should have to have reflective clothes or at least light-colored clothes or receive a fine, just like jaywalking. You're walking out on a road, 
and crossing a street where people are making a left-hand turn or right-hand turn, they haven't got time. And if they can't see them because they've got no reflective clothes, it's a real problem. Okay, Bob, thanks for that. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, uh, I haven't seen any uh, police officer, uh, uh, you know, doing enforcement on jaywalking. I mean, they barely can enforce traffic violations. Uh, but, um, you know, as we've been saying, we all have to do better. And, and pedestrians, you'd be well served to make sure that somebody in a car in bad light at dusk would be able to see you. Uh, let us go to Simone in Toronto. Hi, Simone. Hi there. Uh, my uh, problem here is that with uh, uh, this traffic thing is that, uh, well, really, the bicycles, uh, cyclists, half of them don't have lights at night. You can't see them. Uh, the bicycles are very thin and narrow, and you can't see them. I looked, I looked both ways one night, and uh, one, I crossed the street. There was nothing coming, and I crossed the street, and one zoomed right past my nose. He said, watch where you're going. He had the nerve to say that when he was the one who had no lights, and I had not seen him, and I was looking. I always look for <laughs> Some of them are pretty rude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh, they're very rude. A lot of them are very rude. And also on the sidewalk, there was one that whizzed by me. She was going full speed on the sidewalk the other day, past me. And if I had turned, sometimes I'll turn and cross to the bank. If I had made a turn, she would have run right into me. And the the police are not doing uh, enough as far as taking these people off the sidewalk. We've given them a good scare. We've given them a fine. We need to, the politicians have to get out there and start, uh, you know, uh, create some fines for these people, stick fines, and especially, and also those that don't have lights at night. If a car doesn't have lights at night, the police will stop them. Cyclists should have lights at night because they are dangerous. They can run right into you. Okay, Simone, thank you for that. Thank you. Albert, uh, should uh, cyclists have, you know, should there be anything uh, to deal with cyclists in this law? Well, obviously it is a, um, it's the law that you are required to have a light on your bike. And uh, and just to go back a little bit, I mean, in terms of the clothing, you know, when we talk about clothing, I think what we'd have to say is we all should, you know, dress in bright clothing, whether we're, we can't say them when we talk about pedestrians, because as soon as we get out of our cars, we're pedestrians. Exactly. So unless we're dressed in fluorescent uh, colors when we're driving, because we're going to get out of our cars at some point. So, so we need to stop thinking about us and them. Um, you know, that's the fashion. You go to a store, you'll see it's dark clothing. That's what's sold in the winter. Sure, we can do better. Um, pedestrians can uh, dress more lightly. Uh, cyclists can do better. We all have our anecdotes. I was cycling down Bloor Street last week, little BMW park. It's raining. I'm so happy to have a bu- bike lane on Bloor Street. There's a BMW park right in the bike lane. Oh, I've seen those cars parked in exactly that bike lane, yes. Uh, I guess if you drive a BMW, you think you're special. (laughs) Well, you know, we we all have these anecdotes that we can tell, but I think what we need to do is look at it as a community. What can we do better in in terms of the laws, in terms of design, in terms of road speed? Um, Education and all of these things are very, very important. Our behavior is very important. But even once we get beyond that, we're still going to... I mean, we've had this problem for many, many years. And that's why, you know, we're focusing today on not only stiffer penalties that will act as a deterrent, but also to be an adjunct to other design issues and operation issues, such as lower speeds. When someone says, well, I didn't have time to stop, well, maybe our road speeds are are too fast. We do have all these things that we have to look out for, cyclists, pedestrians, other cars, um, so many more distractions within the car and outside the car that uh, if we use um, higher penalties, as I say, but also as an adjunct to things like lower speeds that allow us to say, 
well, you know, someone jumped in front of my car or walked in front of my car. I had time to stop because I was going at a lower speed limit than uh, than, than in the past. So, so I think once we get past these, uh, you know, anecdotes and the things that annoy us, we get to the um, structural issues, the design issues, yep. things that will, will save lives across the community. Okay, Albert, uh, I'm just going to try to take a couple of quick calls. Quick calls, callers, please. Tony in Scarborough. Tony? Oh. Hello. Yes. Uh, hello, Libby. Hi. Uh, just a quick comment. The I think one of the major problems with pedestrians is the countdown that they have on those, uh, you know, this crossing sign. Yes. The hand, the orange hand, is there telling you to stop, don't cross. And people look at that and they say, "Oh, I got ten seconds to get across." Anyway, they're not supposed to cross with that hand saying "stop." Don't exactly. Cross. Uh, no. In the past, they didn't have the countdown. And in the past, you didn't have so many pedestrians uh, being hit. I agree that the traffic is more heavy now on the roads, but I think the countdown got a hell of a lot to do with it. They think they have enough time to cross the road. Uh, some of them run across the road and they see that countdown. Oh, I have six seconds to get across. I can do it. I think that's a major problem. Okay. Tony, thank you for that. You're very welcome. Okay, and Harold in Burlington. Two things. Uh, Right-hand turns have to be eliminated now. The drivers are looking left, and they don't bother looking right until they hammer the gas. Traffic is too much now. Get rid of the right-hand turns. And then the second thing is, out of 192 new vehicles, the illumination of their lights failed. Only 38 passed. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Harold. Short and sweet. And uh, basically, uh, that is all the time we have for this segment. Thank you to our callers. Unfortunately, this is something we have to come back to in various forms time and again. But hopefully, uh, from all this talking, maybe we'll have some good come out of this. Albert Cole, a safety advocate, a lawyer trying to get a Vulnerable Persons Act. Albert, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you for raising this issue. I think it's very, very important. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.